brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. It's sipping time. Oh, it is uh, most definitely sipping time. Welcome to the Sips episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. We are the best thing on at 2 a.m. And we thank you for choosing to listen to us instead of the BBC quality program about gum called Up the Gum Tree. Yes, I know. You're excited. It's a whirlwind tour of uh, the world of chewing gum from its ancient origins to the present day. You think that would have been a better choice than us this week? Maybe. (laughs) Let's see. Let me write down those odds. That was three to one. How that's going to play out. I'm good old boy Mike. Joining me here at the table is good old boy Michael. How are you? I am good. Every day with rum, man, is a is a good day. That's for sure. That's right. Oh, I'm sorry. I did that really quickly there. So early. Yeah, I know. Good old girl Carrie Ann has joined us for this episode. I am here and rum-tastic. <laughs> rum-tastic. How, how many people like that? I, I'm, I'm voting right. no, 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 I'm no I'm hands. I'm, I'm with it. it. Like no it. hands went up during that. That's for sure. Brian. And joining you. us is good old boy Brian. Cheers, guys. Well, uh, our, six, our sips segments are all about wine, distilled spirits, tea, and coffee. This episode today is It's Our Rum 101 Episode Man. I, I'm sorry. I did it again. Just like Brittany. It's just, I can't help myself. Yeah, so this episode is our Rum 101 episode. Our 101 series discussed the very basic of the products that we talk about on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Today, we're going to cover what rum is made out of, the various types of rum, ways to navigate purchasing rum, and some rum cocktails today. Now, Carrie Ann is going to get the honor of going over our SIPS ratings for today as we use them through the conversation. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! I missed that part of pre-production. So Uh our SIPS ratings are one through five. And a number one is, give me a glass of water to wash out my mouth. A sips rating two is nice, but what else have you got? Well, isn't that nice? Sips rating of three. Hmm, that's interesting. What was that? Interesting. A sips rating of four is. Let's keep this secret to ourselves. Pour me another. That's classified. And a sips rating of five is, oh my, I was unaware anything could be this good. Oh my goodness! Yes! 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 
So I had a true story uh, with a friend that, uh, a fan and friend that listens to the show that said he can't listen to the show in front of his customers or his his children because the number five just rating, five rating? <laughs> is just a little too over the top. So <laughs> there you go. I suppose it's PG-13. Uh, yeah, it's a show about alcohol. Seriously, if you're listening to this um, in front of your kids, whatever, man. All right. <laughs> Good for you. Rum is one of the most varied spirits in the world. There are white rums. There's gold rums. There's age rums. There's spice rums. There are Latin rums, French rums, Britain rums, American rums, Brazilian rums, and Asian rums. There's a lot of rum around the world. Uh, so rum can be made from a variety of types of sugar. There can be made from molasses, or they can be made from sugarcane juice, are probably two of the main ingredients uh, that you'll make rum from. They can even be made from sugarcane honey. Um, you might see designations on the labels that can be quite confusing. Rum uh, may not always be spelled the same way. Um, it can bo- be spelled both with or without an H. So um, they're both used very common. And now for today's historical moment on rum is good old gal Carrie Ann. Yeah. So the history of rum uh, goes back to New Guinea, where it's believed that sugarcane originated. Um, and the real quick version of it is that it went from New Guinea to China and India. The Arabs picked it up and then it went to Europe. And Christopher Columbus was like, hey, I'm taking that over to the Canary Islands in the West Indies. So it got spread around the world um, in any warm climates pretty quickly, uh, wherever it would grow. And this led to a little thing called the Triangle Trade, where uh, Christopher Columbus was pretty directly involved uh, in taking uh, the West Indies molasses to New England, um, having them make rum out of it, and then in return taking that to Africa where they tr- traded for slaves. Um, this went on for quite some time until the English. Quite. Quite. quite the English Royal Navy. Um, said, maybe we're not going to do that anymore. Um, and put the- Oh, the queen stepped in and said, <laughs> we are going to manufacture rum in England. Oh, we know how to do this, so we're just going to step in and do this ourselves. I feel pretty certain there was a king then. But- oh, it was a king, queen. It was uh, someone with a really bad British accent. <laughs> uh, so when the when the English were like we're not doing this like whole tr- slave trade across the ocean anymore, um, so what you need to do is buy your rum from us instead of the West Indies. Then we had a little thing called the American Revolution. Uh, some people say it was because of tea, but we maybe know it to be because of rum. Uh, it's about the rum. Always. So. Once rum was a little prohibited in the U.S., then a lot of stuff started happening here, and eventually we turned to whiskey. Yo, ho, yo, ho, a pirate's life for me. (laughs) Yeah, you know, there's uh, tons of history, you know, surrounding both uh, the products that um, are always in contention and I would describe it with the people that have and the have nots or those in power or those, you know, without power. And it's interesting that the relationship between products that, for a lack of a better word, are send products, send taxes, 
both around tobacco, alcohol, all the stuff we talk about on this show. Sure. Um, and rum was one of the U.S.'s original sins. Um, one of the signers of our Declaration of Independence took it upon himself to really begin the temperance movement as soon as we became an independent country. So that has been part of our history, mostly due to rum for the whole time we've been around. Hmm. That's pretty wild. So uh, a lot of great history uh, surrounding rum and a lot more for you to afford yourself uh, on your own. But we thought we'd kind of touch on this. So another term that you actually might see associated with rum on a label is agricole. So this term actually usually means that it's made with fresh cane jer- juice and jer- jer- jerk. Fresh jerk cane juice. Jerk. That's a different Caribbean to- product. To- toy boat. Hang on. Let me take another sip of this Mai Tai. Uh, let's see. So uh, it's usually made with fresh cane juice. And then usually there's some designation where the sugar cane actually came from. Now, right now, uh, for the most part, these products are actually made um, in Martinique or French Caribbean islands. Is usually where you'll see the designation for agricole. Um, I think you'll be seeing a lot more uh, yeah, of that agree. in the future, uh, for sure. I think we're all shaking our head there, and we totally agree. Bring the funk. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think bring, uh, you know, something that, you know, empowers the consumer to know it's in the bottle, you know, I think is, is really what's going on with mm-hmm. that. Um, so the ingredients uh, themselves related to agriculture, sometimes they can actually be moved around for the ag- actual distillation process, but not right now. Everything is pretty much made on St. Martin or Martinique um, is probably the biggest point where you'll see agricultural products that are. Um, so it's very similar to what you might see happen with grape varieties um, where the French grape like uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is actually grown in a variety of parts of the world. So um, and then you see a lot of wine laws that step in and say, well, this is the DOC, you know, or um you know, a lot of different designations, both in French and Italian, as well as Australian food laws, you know, kind of step in and say, hey, this stuff is from this soil or it's from this grape. You know, you get tequila a lot, too. Yeah. And I think that, uh, again, that's just really empowering the consumer to specifically make, you know, some decisions about exactly, you know, where things are going to come from as well. Yeah. And the United States TTB is probably the most lax and and making those restrictions known uh, to the makers of rum when they come into the country. I, I expect to see that change real quickly, as soon as the government opens. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so their decisioning process is halfway between a dartboard and a magic eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> Today you're going to be approved. Uh, not likely, but file again. <laughs> so yeah, why is there not a rum brand called Original Sin? Oh, yeah. Lock it, lock it down, Mike. Lock it down. <laughs> yeah, you heard it first here on Sips, Duds, and Smokes. I'm going to buy the website right now. Yeah, Michael is absolutely going to uh, run the market, you know, on that. So, um, you know, so it can get really confusing when you're looking at rums on the shelf, can it? I mean, there are literally hundreds of products out there. And today uh, we're going to talk about rums in different points of designation as well as kind of how to read labels and kind of get through all of this. We're also going to talk about encountering rum in other situations, both at home as well as in a restaurant. We're actually going to talk about some cocktails uh, to go through today as well. Mm. Um, yes. Mai Hang on a second. Tai. Let me take another <laughs> sip of this Mai Tai. 
Mm. With float. Yeah, with float. <laughs> That's the important part of the <laughs> equation for sure. So we're going to have a really great time on this episode talking about rum and rum 101. And we're going to, um, after we're going to come back through the break here, we're going to lead in with talking about what is white rum right after this break. Hey, welcome back to this episode of Sips, Suds, and Smokes. On today's Sips episode, we're actually, this is a Rum 101 show. We've talked a little bit about some of the history of rum, kind of what to expect about it, where it comes from. And now we're going to go through some of the designations of rum and some products. And uh, starting off, Brian's going to take us through all about white rum. Take her away there. All right. Well, white rum, obviously the most common version of rum that you see on the shelf. Most commonly thought of rum drinks are made with white rum. Whether you're making a daiquiri, the real one, not the frozen monstrosity you get at most bars. Yeah, definitely not. Or you get the mo- the mojito, again, using the fresh ingredients, not the, the junk. You're probably reaching for a white or silver rum. Uh, we tried the Florida Decano white rum. It is made from a molasses and then aged for four years. Again, it's a white rum, so then they charcoal filter that to get all the color out of there. It leaves a lot of the flavor still in there, though. And then it's bottled. The rum has a decent molasses taste without being super cloyingly sweet, allowing you to use normal amounts of sugar in your mojitos and, and daiquiris. And again, without making them super cloyingly sugary. There are a lot of different white rums out there, some better than others. Again, different price points, different platforms. Uh, one of my favorites, I think one of the easiest ones to find as well is the Bacardi rum. Yep, for sure. One, one of the originals. Um, again, silver rum, easy to find. Most cocktail, most bars, not even just most cocktail bars, will have the Bacardi rum. Again, easy quality rum, perfect for uh, any of your drinks. So uh, we all had a chance of tasting um, some of the white rum or Blanc rums. You might see it uh, with either term that's utilized on the label itself. What do you guys think of uh, uh, either the Florida Canna? Um, or we had uh, some of the Bacardi, or we actually had uh, some of the cane rum uh, from uh, Sazerac. I mean, what do you guys think of just, you know, white rum in general? Is it really that distinctive, you know, f- across a lot of these products? No, definitely. I think you definitely get a lot of different flavor profiles. Again, it is aged. You might not know it because it's white. Yeah. But uh, you definitely, we tasted four or five different ones. And I think there was a different flavor profile in each one. Yeah, yeah I agree. They seem to beg for cocktails. Yes. You know, it's like, yeah. you're like, okay, uh, I'm tasting rum. Uh, it's fine, but uh, it's the aged rums, I think, where you really get complexity and where you really enjoy them. The white rums, you're like, all right, what are we going to make with this? It's definitely not a sipping rum. Yeah. yeah. I think oh. the giant question mark in the sky is they age their white rum and then they take the color out of it with charcoal filtering. But for the gold and amber rums, they add color into it. Yeah, Make I know. up your minds, guys. <laughs> I agree. Um, so I think probably one of the main flavor profiles that's very distinctive and missing from a lot of the white rums is sugar. I mean, I really don't find, you know, the, um, the sweet, you know, characteristic really comes through with a lot of the Blanc or white rums. Yeah. Agreed. Well, the purpose would be for the yeast to eat all that sugar to give us more alcohol. So like any other, you know, distillate spirit, you're not trying to. Leave sugar in there. You want it. Yeah, you I want would find the alcohol. The, I would find the concept of a cast strength white rum or blanc to be mm. that would be kind of like okay. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> what what did you just say again? <laughs> I just hang on a second. I've got to get my hat on. Yeah, you know, 
So I actually can think of a navy. Is there any navy strength white rum? Uh, the Ray and Nephew, oh, yeah. which they drink in Jamaica huh. to get drunk. Interesting. It's <laughs> <laughs> They drink it over ice. Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I did. <laughs> I, 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 I did it again. I'm sorry. I didn't do that so fast. So, but uh, you know that I think that that is one of the misnomers that a lot of people are thinking is that. Um, that's the reason why you find, you know, white rum that's utilized in so many cocktails is because you're actually bringing a lot of the sugars, you know, into the equation. And um, as opposed to other white liquors like vodka, where, you know, again, you're bringing all the flavor components to the party, so to speak, um, you know, in the cocktail. So, um, you know, still widely used and some really great, you know, Blancs uh, for sure. Uh, we'll talk about some of those on another episode, uh, on our best of episode, but definitely check out the Florida Cana, uh, Blanc, uh, as well as the Bacardi, um, as well, are uh, some really great choices. Well, next up in uh, the category of rums that we're going to talk about are the gold rums. And one of the rums that's probably a great example of this is a distillery that we um, will you'll probably talk about quite a bit, which is Appleton Estate. I would say the five or the 10 year, um, either one of those, it might say V or X in a Roman numeral um, on the Appleton estate. So this rum can actually be found very affordable. These are things that are about 20 bucks. Um, you'll find them all over the place. The Appleton is a typical Jamaican rum, man. That's what I'm talking about, Jamaican uh, hey. rum. <laughs> Gosh. I think it's like 10 credits. Sorry, it's just like, you know, sorry, it's like a Freudian thing. Anyway, so it's a typical Jamaican rum with peppery spice that uh, notes that are mingled with flavors of citrus as well. So a couple of differences here between Blanc and Gold is a little bit of some of the flavor profile itself. So you usually feel a little bit more sugar. You definitely see more color for sure. And sometimes you'll actually see uh, some more spice, uh, uh, you know, or flavor profile that's introduced to it. So the Blancs are fairly neutral in terms of a flavor profile where the golds, you'll actually get some differentiation, you know, between them. If they were actually aged in a barrel versus having some coloring thrown into them, then you're absolutely going to get those sugars and spices uh, out of the barrel like you would in any other whiskey. Yeah. So that's a common uh, issue that you have with the manufacturer, you know, of rum is you not quite sure there's a common term called adulteration. Oh, not not adultery, adulteration. Oh. Yes, I know. You were getting excited there. Not quite what you were thinking. Anyway, I don't know. Where were you going with that? Anyway, so. <laughs> sitting here. I'm not going I'm anywhere. I'm just sitting here going anywhere. Going, he said adultery. I'm sorry, adulteration. <laughs> you know, anyway. So adulteration is usually adding something, you know, to uh, the, you know, the product. Sometimes before aging, sometimes after aging. The point is, is that you are adulterating it by adding something, you know, to the equation. Very, um, and it used to be a very common thing um, with rum for a very long time. They probably did this for almost 30 years uh, with a lot of rum products. Um, and then they slowly slipped in and a lot of that, you know, was like, wow, this is not in our best interest. So, but uh, it's still widely done, you know, with some products for sure. 
Um, any uh, comments here about the gold rums, uh, either the Appleton Estate 5 or any other gold rums? You know, probably the most second common found on the shelf would be your gold rums. You know, definitely cocktailable, definitely easygoing. Watch out for the hangovers. Definitely got some chemicals going on in there. <laughs> yeah, and that Appleton, though, I mean, straight up delicious. is just fantastic. Lots of baking spices, cinnamon, that good barrel smoke. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. It'll really shine through in a cocktail, too, I think. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, definitely, you're going, as you walk up, you're going to see a lot of things. Uh, that, And you'll notice the color variation on the shelf, either at the bar or at the liquor store. And you'll go, that one's white, that one's gold. And that's a bit of the dead giveaway. It's just the color, you know, itself. But, you know, once you kind of move beyond that, you're going to get into some other products that we're going to talk about today as well. But definitely, if you look um, for a volume of the amount of rum that tends to move, it will move with white and gold rum will be the vast majority of the rums that you'll find that you're either purchasing or that will be instilled in a cocktail uh, that you'll be enjoying. Well, next up, uh, we're going to cover the next category for rum, which Carrie Ann's going to tell us all about spice rum. You're going to tell us all about spice rum, yeah, Carrie Ann, right? Eh? John's Sorry, you are fine. One for a violation of the Just help so me. So spicy. You know. So spice rum, if you're new to rum, is maybe what you think about when you think about rum. Um, so if we want to get started on rum, um, spice rum is a good place to start. It's going to have... Um, spices added to it. So it's not your natural distillate of rum um, with spices and things coming from the barrel. These are actual spices added to it. So you're going to get some allspice, vanilla, cloves, dor anise, nutmeg. And a partridge in a pear tree. All that's. Um, so we tasted Sailor Jerry Spiced Rum. Um, and some of the others that we really like are the Four Square Spiced Rum and some uh, spice rums coming out of Louisiana. Uh, the old New Orleans Cajun spice rum and Bayou has a really nice spice rum. Um, and these are really superior products, I think, in what you can find readily available on the shelf. Um, there's a lot of things that in a lot of the categories of rums that you just can't find. So um, Sailor Jerry, you can find all over the place. All over the place. All over the place. Probably even on an airplane. Thanks, yeah, William. I believe Gray. so. On an airplane, um, it's it's a little sweet. It has a little bit of that chemical kick on the back, uh, but it's not overly so. And as an added bonus, the spirit is at ninety-two proof versus a standard eighty proof. Oh yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. More flavor. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Great bang for, bang for your buck. <laughs> Yeah, so Sailor Jerry is named after a tattoo artist. That tells you about what you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on a second. Let me pour you another beverage. Just hold still. (laughs) So you can take your spice rum and use it in a simple highball, like a rum and fruit juice. Pineapple juice is especially lovely. Uh, Throw some Coke in there. Make a rum punch. Or you can get tiki with it. Use your new spice drum in one of Jen Tiki's Mrs. Howell's Spicy Sides. That sounds good. Mm. Sounds very yummy. So those are some of the spice drums we like, but buy some, taste them, see what you like. Um, So I found this, uh, the Sailor Jerry 
it was sweet. It was very sticky. It had exactly sticky. some of those uh, things, those tasting characteristics that you talked about, clove and cinnamon were all over the Sailor Jerry. It's definitely adulterated. Yeah, um, but not in a bad way. Um, I mean, I think that the problem that you run into with spice rum is the amount of sugar that you know, you're know you going to get off. I mean, sometimes I've, I've found some of the products in this category to actually be overtly sweet. That's only a problem if you don't like sweet. That is like our number one favorite thing in the U.S. is the sweetness. So mm-hmm. you want it sweet, we got it for you. Well, that's the reason why I think why uh, a lot of the cocktails that are made with this product are actually combined with citrus. Right, Mike? Right, right. And uh, on its own, this might be like a, a hot summer night in Texas. Sweet, spicy, and you're probably going to get into some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all need some more rum around here. I think we're going to be pouring you a little bit more rum. That's yeah, that a little bit Texas. of added alcohol, too. Yeah. yeah. And change the name of this to the guzzling episode. The guzzling episode. We Glug, glug edition. <laughs> yes. The aftermath <laughs> with and smokes. We'll talk about the uh, after party for sure. Um, so another term that uh, you know that I have seen uh, utilized with a lot of things as spice rums um, is blackstrap, yeah. um, and uh, um, you know so uh uh-uh. uh so Carrie Ann <laughs> would definitely say uh uh-uh. uh so um, it is a different component of the sugar cane specifically you know how things are used um, a lot specifically of, it starts missing the sugar yeah that's exactly right and so they sometimes they will combine these spices you know even with blackstrap so you'll find blackstrap you know products that are both with and without spices um that are available as well you can leave them both on the shelf <laughs> as she she goes no that's not for you um but you'll find uh, a lot of uh a lot of cocktails, again, use spice rum. Um, we're going to talk about uh, a couple of the, uh, you know, very common cocktails that are used with a lot of these products in our next segment. Um, but the uh, uh, we have uh, one more category to go through. Um, I don't know if we're going to have enough time to get through the whole thing, but I'm going to let Michael start to talk about aged rum. Yeah, so while I did agonize over the spice drum, the hardest decision for me was the one rum to start people off with for aged rums. I very nearly issued another tie here with Mount Gay Extra Old. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah, a good, That's a good one. But in the end, if you're getting started with rum, you're going to want to make some Mai Tais, which we've all got kind of in front of us here. Hang on a second. Let me no, enjoy sugar. a little more Mai Tai. And the cheers. And the Appleton Estate 12-year-old is the one rum you cannot be without if you aspire to make truly great Mai Tais. Furthermore, it's a wonderfully complex and yet immediately approachable sipping rum that can be enjoyed neat or on the rocks. It's got some smoke and a little bit of spice and some beautiful notes of sweet and tart citrus. It's a wonderful and pure Jamaican rum. I'm a fan. I, I am totally <laughs> a tell? fan. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, I, I mean, uh, totally, all the hands are up for the Appleton Estate, you know, 12, all the way around. I mean, this is kind of the, this is a really good cornerstone product. In fact, I'd almost go down, uh, go so far to say that a lot of the products that we're going through and talking about in Rum 101, if I were to say 
there are three or four products that you should have at your home bar. It's the ones we're talking about here today. We're super smart. Yeah. The Appleton Estate 12 is uh, so extensible. I think you'll find that you enjoy it both um, neat. Uh, you'll enjoy it uh, with uh, cocktails that are calling for uh, dark rums or even aged rums themselves. Um, I mean, what do you guys think about the Appleton Estate as a great choice in this category? I, I mean, I love it. I love the smoke on it. I think for a scotch drinker, even it's definitely got enough smoke to kind of back that up for it. It was, mm-hmm. it was one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. Whiskey drinkers. You know, yes. there's one drink that I love that we didn't talk about. That's uh, kind of a modern classic called the old Cuban. Oh, where wow. you take an, yeah. you take an aged rum and you basically make a daiquiri with it and a tiny bit of mint and you top it with champagne. So what you do is, yeah, I just, I'd yeah. forgotten. I know what we're doing at you know, the next these break. Are, these <laughs> in the bar, Mike. In the deep re- recesses of my brain. But yeah, you would take two ounces of uh, dark rum, like this Appleton 12 would be perfect. And then about three quarter ounce of lime juice, three quarter ounce of simple, maybe four mint leaves. And you'd shake all that together. You'd fine strain out the mint into a coupe. And then you would top it with champagne. And that's the old Cuban. That's one of the best kind of modern classics. Beats I'm the hell out of a on young who, Cuban. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm spacing on who who came up with that drink. But it's, you did it's out now. in New York City uh, in the 90s at some we'll point. We need a, a very good uh, young Cuban, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're going to make a, not an old Cuban. We're going to make a, a, a Cuban young Viejo. Cuban. What, what is he doing, guys? What is he doing? Wait, I, know. <laughs> I agree. Well, it's exactly, I would like to definitely exactly the point you should make here. <laughs> not gloss over the Mount Gay or extra old. Mount Gay oh, is the world's yeah. oldest documented rum brand. And I think they figured out what the hell they're doing. Agreed. Yeah, you know, uh, there are a lot of really great uh, products from Mount Gay uh, in the same category. And I really love the fact that we've talked about two of the cornerstone products, both Appleton Estate and Mount Gay, you know, in this category. Because I think that they've really shown um, that you can age these products and they really bring a whole new level of, you know, quality around them. And they're totally different. They really are. So I I think that uh, um, definitely there are a lot of products in age rum and, you know, probably this is one of the fastest growing categories right now for rums that are going to be available in a wide variety of markets as more rum makers are going, you know what, I think we can get a premium price point for a lot of this stuff that we've aged for, you know, eight years or more for sure. And whiskey yeah. drinkers who love that rich, smoky uh, flavors and whiskey. I think they're really going to enjoy the same kinds of things in the rums. Mm-hmm. And on that note, too, rum is so much cheaper than whiskey right now, currently. So you can get a really great Shh. rum that's 20, 30 year <laughs> for the price of an eight year old whiskey. So it's, it's definitely a better quality for your price. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll find uh, a lot of really great products at great price points, you know, in this aged area for sure. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about some cocktails with uh, rum. Hey, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On today's episode, this is a rum 101 show. That's what I'm talking about, man, uh-huh. all day long. Stop already. So let's go shopping for rum. So most liquor stores are actually arranged by price point with things that are at the bottom that are actually usually the cheapest and the stuff at the top is expensive. This is a very common 
consumer vernacular that works with rum, cereal, beans, <laughs> just about anything. Cereal, uh, they put this stuff for kids on the lower shelves where they can grab it. Really? Is it the same? Yeah. Huh. Sweet. I don't, on I don't the think bottom. they do that at liquor stores. No, oh. definitely not with liquor Sorry. stores. I wonder why they put sure. plastic bottles on the bottom now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's just stick with liquor stores. All the expensive <laughs> stuff at the top, all the cheap stuff is at the bottom. Um, so uh, the super rare and expensive stuff is usually actually behind the counter on a shelf, or many times it's actually in a display case. Is it now, behind the bulletproof glass? Where do you shop? Um, <laughs> uh, hey, Mike, welcome to the shop, man. Are you, you want to step behind the counter here? You know, I'll talk to you. You got a pint of that. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so rum prices are much like anything else. Uh, there's actually no correlation to quality and price. I'm, I'm going to say I that. I didn't get that. I'm going to say it just a little bit slower one more time for those of you in Iowa that didn't quite get this. Okay, there is no correlation to price and quality. Okay, um, price is usually uh, impacted by supply and demand which can be localized in some parts of the world, uh, quantity, and then some marketing crap. That's about all I can say uh, for that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's marketing crap with a capital C. Uh, The best way to think about it is your budget and then work your way back. So uh, let me tell you how this kind of goes down. I want to spend $35 for a gold rum, and then I plan to use it in some tiki drinks. Super solid choice about the way to go about this, okay? Um, so that's a much better way than I want to find the best gold rum. That doesn't work so well. You're just going to walk in and spend probably 50 bucks, and you're going to walk away with something, frankly, that's not really any better than the $35 uh, gold rum uh, for sure. So listen, use the help of the retailer. They actually know their stock better than anybody else. And I think that they would respect you. If you walked in and you said, listen, I I got $35 to spend. I want probably the best gold rum that you have in that uh, particular budget. Yeah? Yeah. They'll be like, Sazerac said, if you buy all this cane rum, we'll get more pappy this year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that too. But, um, you know, I think most retailers, uh, at the end of the day, I think they want to serve, you know, the consumers. And I think that, you know, they would honor you if you walked in basically with a game plan. Uh, so uh, feel free to do some homework and take in some of the recommendations that we have here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Ignore all of the shelf talkers, all of those ratings, all of those ne- neck tags, all the stickers saying that they want this or that competition, that great stuff. There are over there are 30 products that have actually double gold awards or silver awards or whatever. It's just all a bunch of horse hockey, okay? You just need to ignore all of that so look we're all the judges for that stuff by the way (laughs) so so, listen i don't i don't want to discount the quality of those designations send your checks they they (laughs) are important but i'm telling you at the end of the day um you have to recognize that you're thinking that there's it's like the olympics you know there's a gold silver and a you know bronze and and that's it and there's only three products if it doesn't say san francisco next to it you can ignore it well you know but there's some other individuals that wear ascots that do that competition <laughs> that i don't want to talk about so <laughs> anyway so uh it's just uh 
they're really great stuff, you know, um, that you can pick all over the place. Now, many retailers actually have tasting bars. So listen, if you can taste it before you buy it, you totally should. Um, even if there's a small fee, sometimes they'll charge 50 cents, you know, for a small taste or a dollar or something like that. Absolutely. If you can taste it before you, uh, before you buy it, you should absolutely do it. Um, even if you're walking in with a plan on what to buy and you've never tasted it, you should definitely take advantage. Taste it before you buy it. Always. You could always just buy a fitty. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If it, if it's available, you know, in that size for sure as well. Listen, uh, be sure and check out our big rum taste off episode. Um, and you'll actually get a short list of things that we actually liked in all of these rums. We lay it out for you, all of the very, very best of each of these uh, style of products. So Michael's going to talk to us about ordering rum in a restaurant. This will be cool. Yeah, and that's I'm another harass him repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, through this. and that's another way that you can try rum. Is can to I have ask a high chair? To... I need a high chair. <laughs> that's true. You don't have to depend on your retailer because probably your <laughs> right. local bar will let you taste it. I, yeah, want, a da- I want a daiquiri now. They'll let you taste something. Uh, there are just not that many bars that cater to a solid rum list. Uh, most of the time you have two choices of each type of rum. Unless you're going to a, a rum bar, uh, be prepared to sit back and enjoy a rum-based cocktail. If you're lucky enough to be in a rum bar, then enjoy something that you don't have at home already. Enjoy it neat with a glass of ice water on the side. You can add ice or water as you see fit to do so. Unless they have some world-class cocktail at a rum bar, I tend to avoid a cocktail when I have uh, plenty of choices when it comes to rum. So staring a hole into that rum list of 100-plus different choices, just ask your bartender uh, for a suggestion. I'm not quite sure what I want. Yeah. Uh, what would you recommend? Say, bartender, what do I yeah. want? Tell me. Uh, I'm not quite sure. should take a rum pilgrimage to Nashville, maybe visit Michael's bar yeah chopper. come out to chopper we'll have plenty uh, of room for which you. one of these will help get through the evening with my kids <laughs> which one of these will help me In get case, through this evening with my date <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we've covered some rum cocktails here on sip suds and smokes and one of those episodes was called a tale of two cocktails featuring two of the most popular rum cocktails the daiquiri and the dark and stormy so for a daiquiri we were taking around one and a half ounces of white rum, about three quarter ounce of lime juice, and half ounce to three quarter ounce of simple syrup, depending on kind of how how uh, sweet you might want it. And we were talking about this before we uh, came into the studio of how really beautiful and nice it can be to hand squeeze uh, hand with squeeze. a little hand juicer, fresh the lime juice because yeah, not with and, your and, hand and any you know not just your hand but one of those little hand crank uh juicers because then you get the oils from the peel into the juice and there's really no substitute for that it's um, in your grocery store right next to the can openers they're six bucks get one yeah for sure they make a huge difference to, to making cocktails at home really great episode uh the tale of two cocktails if you didn't uh go back and uh, check that out before we did this I really loved, we covered the whole story around Hemingway, um, how this cocktail, you know, came around to be, I loved the background around this as much as I enjoyed the drink itself. And this is one of those um, few cocktails, well, not a few, but it is a cocktail that 
when you make it with fresh ingredients, it elevates it exponentially, oh, yeah. you know, really, really quick. And we were actually sitting around. We made these uh, cocktails, uh, you know, before we actually started the recording. And we were all, it was interesting. because I think I, they figured that out. I was, the one that, <laughs> I was the one that went to the store and actually bought some fresh limes. And I bought some lime juice. And I just kind of unleashed Michael, you know, on the wet bar. And it was interesting. I walked in. He used all the limes. And he did not use any of the lime juice. And um, my, I had, keep it till next time. I had a little <laughs> bit of a sense of panic around. I was like, I am not going to have enough lime juice to get through this, you know. But And then you taste the Papa Doble with, you know, this fresh lime juice. And it is just amazing. It makes a huge difference. If they, you know, I think that they should offer this not by the glass but by the gallon (laughs) (laughs) right because uh you know and personally i would step it up and i would probably make this with 151 or you know some some heavily you know over uh overproofed uh rum yeah professionals only yeah (laughs) see a frozen run run for your life i so exactly brian you're right how many times do we see this made frozen and it's 90 percent of the time it's horrible it's just nasty um, I happened to make this uh, for the wife uh, one time um, fresh, and she was like, what is this? And I go, it's a daiquiri. And she, she just looked at me like, what? <laughs> like, you know, it didn't come that out of a strawberry daiquiri. Yeah. You know, um, actually, Walking we did. Urban Street. Yeah. I usually. Um, so it was a bartender, actually, when we were dating. And uh, that was, you know, I think how I stole her heart is I actually made world class <laughs> cocktails and just basically wean my way in, you know into her heart so hey look i'll have to say it worked 30 years later she's still around you know i think it was the fact you got her drunk not that they were world-class cocktails uh, she did tip well so <laughs> um but the uh uh you know this is definitely one of those drinks that i would say you make this with fresh ingredients you will just have this world-class experience and you'll go wow I've never had anything that was this amazing before. Mm-hmm. Just whatever. If, if somebody turns around, you order a daiquiri and they turn around to a slushy machine, just run. run. Yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. we happen to have a world-class bartender making our cocktails tonight, but that's for sure. Well, the beauty you, you of it, it too is it's like a, like a Manhattan three ingredients, Negroni three ingredients, martini kind of three ingredients, old fashioned three ingredients, daiquiri three ingredients. And it's a, it's, kind of a beautiful thing of how kind of exotic it can taste, how refreshing it can taste and only rum, lime and sugar. Yep. I mean, I think you touched on it too, though. When you only have three ingredients, it has to be the best three ingredients you can get. Sure. Yep. So I still like, uh, I do make it with Luxardo um, and uh, which is a mascherino cherry liqueur and uh, grapefruit juice. And you'll see these recipes on our show notes as well. Go back and listen to the Papa Doble episode as well. I think you'll really enjoy that. Listen, I'm totally going to give a five out to uh, oh the Papa Doubles that uh, Mike made for yeah. us tonight. Yeah. They were fantastic. Um, again, um, these should not be served by the glass. It should be served by the gallon. Yeah, would be by a the much pitcher. better designation. Yep. So we also made the Dark and Stormy and our alternate alternate uh, Stormy and Dark. Stormy and Dark. Two ounces of Gosling's Dark Rum, five ounces of ginger beer, and a lime wedge. And... Uh, that was nice and refreshing as well. Um, I actually wrote down this was uh, really sweet, and I love the ginger that just kind of jumps all over the drink. Yeah, 
Um, and actually, the star of this cocktail is absolutely the ginger beer. Um, we uh, actually made this. If you go back and listen uh, to that episode, Tale of Two Cocktails, we made this with two different recipes. We made it with the traditional Gosling's um, recipe, and then we made the Stormy and Dark with the alternate uh, recipe using uh, different ginger beer and different uh, different rum as well. And it was interesting what uh, if you hear the conversation between Sparky and I playing out. Um, it's I think we were both surprised when we were sitting there tasting them side by side. You know, uh, do not knock the uh, the Gosling um, you know recipe. I mean, they're they're made to mm. be poured with each other. So uh, yeah, and there's a good reason why. Yes. It's a very good marriage. That's all I have to say. So it's a really good conversation. Um, I would say that, you know, I have respect for both ways that people approach this recipe. Um, you know, there are definitely superior ginger beers, um, I would say, available on the market. But, you know, you got to look at, you know, the whole thing that's going on there in the cup for sure. So, mm-hmm. and if it's a little too sweet, you can always add a little lime juice. Yeah. Well, I made these and uh, they did not suck. So, <laughs> what, what's separating it again? Me on the uh, on the uh, stormy and dark, and the dark and stormy. What? We'll let Carrie Ann go first on this one. Wow, oh, <laughs> she's gonna say the producer well, is. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, the rum isn't the star of the show here. It's the ginger, so it's not my favorite way to showcase rum. But I mean, it's a super refreshing cocktail. I think it's a solid three. What do you say, guys? Yep. Three, All three, right. Three point five. There Interesting. you go. That works for me as well. Uh, Michael, thanks for introducing our uh, first two cocktails there. So the next cocktail we're going to talk about is actually the mojito. mojito. And uh, Carrie Ann is going to tell us uh, what is in a mojito. Well, we can't skip the mojito. I think we're used to like going to TGI Fridays and getting some super sweet version of this. But um, the way that we had it tonight was two ounces of light rum, couple teaspoons of sugar, some mint leaves, more than a splash of club soda and some lime. Um, And it was really super refreshing and delicious. Um, It doesn't need to be sticky sweet. It's the sweetness is just there to balance out the the rum and uh, the mint. So I thought this was really nice and so much better than what you get at 99% of the places. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, so the thing I wrote down a really quick was it was so fresh. It was fresh and clean. So clean, mm-hmm. clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I don't know if uh, so. Michael, we made these, and and I agree with Carrie Ann is that I actually think you backed off on the club soda, and I think that can overwhelm things, you know, pretty quick, you know, in this beverage. Um, I prefer more rum and less club soda when yeah. I think about the volume, you know, yeah. playing in or between the two. And I think that, you know, most bars are looking at yield management and they tend mm. to, you know, do, you know, uh, quick pours, you know, yeah. off of the uh, rum and a little and trick you can soda. Yeah. And a little trick you can do is to pour a little club soda into the glass that's empty with ice. So you got some ice, you pour a club soda in there and then you also top it with a little bit. Then you don't have to worry about uh, mixing it as much and you don't have as much club soda on the top of the drink. Mm. Pro tip. Well, uh, one cocktail we're not going to get to talk about here on 101 is actually the uh, the Mai Tai. And I will say that you should rock the house and follow our Mai Tai recipe online. Um, Michael, you totally have stolen our heart again by making a Mai Tai that 
We've enjoyed all the way through this episode. So Love thank it. you. Amazing. Yep. Uh, I want to give a quick credit out to some of the episode material is actually sourced from the Rub Dude website and used with permission today. So thank you very much to the Rum Dude. We hope you enjoyed this episode and you can catch all of our episodes online as well as on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, PRX, and our native media host, actually our website. The easiest way to listen to this show is ask Siri, Alexa, or Google, or Uncle Larry, play podcast, Sip, Suds, and Smokes. We love your feedback and you reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is at Subset Smoke, and our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. You'll be able to interact with a thousand of other fans on those social media platforms as well. Do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a great big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. Five stars. Thank you for joining us, good old boy Michael. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, be the sh- float is not optional on my time. <laughs> be sure and swing by Nashville, Tennessee to check out Chopper, which is uh, Michael's Tiki Bar. Uh, so, really fabulous. Good old gal, Carrie Ann. Tell us about your blog, and uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, so, I'm Carrie Ann, and like my hashtag, I am straight up and 615. You can find me straightup615.com. Good old boy, Brian. Yes, Thank yes, you yes. for joining us for Thank this episode. Me. I really, really had a good time. Cool. Thank you. Well, this is good old boy, Mike, asking you to join us for another exciting episode of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. And I will ask you to keep on sipping. One Tan Hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time. (laughs) 